Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. It's great to be here. We have a brand new hymn for you. But hello, brand new hymn. How about a super old super hymn? Super old hymn. This is great. So this is a special episode. We have collaborated yes. with one of our new hymn-loving Instagram friends, mm-hmm. Raluca Bojor. And she is joining us for part of the episode. We're going to talk about the hymn, talk about her, talk about her music. She's going to sing for us. She's going to play <laughs> piano for us. We kind of got her working on this one. Yeah, and she's like singing in multiple languages. Yes, she's yes. so great. And we collaborated on a giveaway. <laughs> she has CDs that we love, so like, why not give one away? Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to talk to Raluca all about it, mm-hmm. and and you'll hear about it too. So let's just run the interview. Yes, yes. All right. Raluca. All right, so this is our new hymn-loving friend. This is Raluca Bonjour. Yay! We are so excited. We have a little fan moment here, fangirl yes. moment, because we've been following you, Raluca, on Instagram for months, a year, yeah. more. You have such great music that you put out. We were all together not too long ago for our big, big giveaway. Yes, I remember. We gave away, it was a big giveaway for episode 51, And we gave away one of your hymn CDs. We want to give away another one. Yes. So we're going to do another giveaway with Reluca on this episode. Follow our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And we're going to give away her two CDs. So the first one and hymns volume one. Yeah. And now we're so excited because you have your second one, which is brand new. So tell us a little bit about this second album. So the second hymns album is called Hymns for Holy Week. This is a slightly more inspired title rather than just Hymns Volume (laughs) 2 because there's an actual theme overarching all the 12 tracks. It takes you on a journey. It takes you on the Holy Week journey, starting with a couple of hymns about Palm Sunday, Jesus's triumphant entry to Jerusalem, children singing Hosanna. And then it takes you into their last supper with Let Us Break Bread Together, But immediately after the Last Supper, they go to Dark Gethsemane. So that's track four. And then what happens after? It's the crucifixion. So we have about three or four hymns about crucifixion alone, because that is such a momentous moment in our history of Christianity. And then just as many hymns for resurrection, because you can't have one without the other. Right. So I wanted, with the number of hymns that I chose for each moment, to show their significance in the progression of Holy Week events. So these are instrumental hymns and your original arrangements. So it's not just playing, it's really creating your own unique rendition. And I I love that. How do you go about figuring out how to arrange it? How do you do that? I have a few tools up my sleeve that I like to recycle all the time. So sometimes it's, I want to change up the genre of it. So let us break bread together won't be just a standard hymn like performance, but it will be more gospely because I wanted to show the friendship that Jesus and the disciples shared together. So that mm-hmm. one will be a little more lighthearted yeah. right before we enter Dark Gethsemane. Sometimes I like to, you know, each verse will present a different technical challenge on the piano. Verse one can be straightforward. Verse two, the melody is in the left hand while the right hand does other things at top. Other times I like to incorporate counter melodies like in Thine is the Glory. I incorporated like a Handelian something just to make it sound like it's part of the Messiah. I want to interweave the main tune with something else that's compatible with the tune Mm -hmm. so in each arrangement i try to use my musical tools in order to depict the theological uh, substance of each hymn so i bought and printed out your solo piano version of mary did you know 
Oh, and we were we were we were planning a Christmas service and we just ended up not doing it. Do you remember? Right, I do. It, it just was, it was on the docket and then it wasn't. And then just the service got too long and we were like, what can we cut? So we ended up and I was like, well, I don't know if I have time to practice this. So <laughs> I put it aside. But I mean, your material is very challenging and, you know, you play so effortlessly. Do you uh, do you have material for beginner, intermediate, advanced? Like, do you have a range of levels when you write? I do. When I write for myself, then it's challenging because otherwise I get bored of my own playing. But I'm also a piano teacher, so I want to keep hymns alive for my students. And yes, I do write for intermediate levels. That's mainly pedagogical. I want to keep hymns alive for my piano students and also offer them something that combines everything that they've learned already. You can play three chords in the left hand. Great. We can play come thou fount of every blessing then here's the sheet go i have advanced arrangements for professional pianists and then i call them easy arrangements but they're for students who can already play chords in the left hand right so when i watch your videos on instagram you say that a lot let's keep the hymns alive it's almost like your mission right now your right. mission is to keep hymns alive and where did that come from i'm so glad that you used the word mission um <laughs> that started at the end of december when I signed up for a coaching program on how to turn my passion into a business. And oh. the first thing my coach said, you need a mission statement. Why do you do what you do? And I had to sit with that for weeks until I came up with the mission statement. I love hymns because uh, they're pretty. No, that's not good enough. You know, serving the church with hymns. Okay, cool, but why? So then I realized that my deep passion for hymns lies in the fact that so many churches no longer sing them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, someone needs to keep them alive somehow. Yeah. So that is my mission statement, both in business terms and in ministry terms. You know, we are so excited to see this CD. So Hymns for Holy Week. Yes. You have some beautiful selections. Many of them are ones we've already done on Hymn Talk Twin Talk. I mean, we absolutely loved last year's episode for Palm Sunday. All glory, lot and honor. Mm -hmm. It, it was, was so, so good. Such a good episode. So much information. But we did Were You There? Yep. We did The Old Rugged Cross. We did Christ the Lord is Risen Today. I mean, if we oh. had to ask you, like, for a favorite, would you be able to pick one? Yes, I would. It's Christ the Lord is Risen Today combined with the Hallelujah Chorus. Yeah, nice. So that was the one hymn on this album where it started with writing out the score rather than just me sitting at the piano noodling around. I wanted to put effort into it right. consciously. Right. You also have on this, this new CD, a song from Romania, which is where you're from. Oh, yes. So can you pronounce it for us? Christos a enviat din morti. Okay. And what does that mean? Christos. So does that, is that Jesus Christ? That is Christ. A enviat means is risen, din from morti, dead. Yeah, like mortal. And that is a totally Romanian hymn. Have you ever seen it in an American hymn, hymnal, seen it translated? No, that is an authentic Romanian song that actually came from the Orthodox tradition and the Baptist borrowed it because it was so embedded in our culture that mm. that's what we sing on Resurrection Sunday every year. All right, let's talk about this because I don't, we haven't even said that you are originally from Romania. Yes, ma'am. And tell us how, what brought you to America and how long you've been here. I came to the States in 2011 as a freshman at Wheaton College in Illinois. When you came here for university, did you think, oh, after four years, I'm going back? Yeah. Or did you think I'll probably stay? I thought I would probably stay because during those four years, um, America offered so many more opportunities for musicians to make money. Whereas in Romania, that would have been a little more challenging back then. You must still have family there. Do you go back often? How is that? Oh, yeah. My entire family is there. My parents are there. My husband and I try to go back at least once a year, twice a year. COVID kept us in place. But once flights resumed, we're like on the first flight back. <laughs> well, I was following you. We were following each other in December. I saw that you were home for Christmas and it was really awesome. And you you actually played at your home church. You took pictures. You showed video. And that must have been really special. All right. So let's jump back to the CD yeah. because we love all of the songs. We heard your favorite. But today we're really really focusing in on, oh, sacred head now wounded. 
It feels a little weird to be clapping for that. It really does. <laughs> it's one of those hymns that I don't think is sung often in worship. It's not really conducive for like a regular Sunday for general worship. So when you do use it for those special holy days, it, to me, it's just so much more special. It's so much more special. And then when Carrie and I kind of dug into the hymn a little bit more and realized it's, it's almost miraculous how it came about and how it still is popular today. It still is sung today. It, we're talking thousands of years over time, over countries, over continents, over through languages. It's kind of amazing. So what's your history with the hymn? Uh, having grown up in a Romanian Baptist church, we shared a lot of the same hymns that the Western church has in their hymnal. Uh, one time I counted all the hymns in our hymnal and 90% were translations of hymns that everyone all over the world knows. Wow. And O Sacred Head Now Wounded is one of those. So we always sing it either on Communion Sunday, which mm -hmm. is the first Sunday of the month in our back home church, or definitely on Good Friday. Yes, yes. And in your church in Romania, you're singing it in Romanian? Yes, ma'am. So that's a translation. Even our, the version in our hymnal in English is a translation. When we dig into the hymns and hear these hymn stories of so many people being involved over time and place yes. and languages and translations, it always makes me think of how the Bible was formed. I mean, the Bible was formed by so many different men, people um, that didn't live at the same time, that lived far away from each other. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, it came together as a unified book. And that's, that's the miracle that happens with some of these hymns. Right. The fact that it all comes together is, is just, it has to be through the Holy Spirit. It has to be. So you said you sang it in Romanian at your Romanian church, you know, yearly or, or even more often because of communion. What yes. about here in America? Is this part of your church tradition at all? Um, they just called me to play on Good Friday and I said, can we please do a sacred head now wound? And I said, oh. let's do it. I'm like, yes. That's wow. So we thought it would be really fun because this hymn, and we're going to talk about the history of it, but because this hymn comes from so many different places and in a bunch of languages, and you're familiar with more than one, you're familiar with more than English. Yeah. <laughs> we thought it'd be fun for you to sing for us in Romanian. Do you feel up for that? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. <laughs> All right. So let's hear O Sacred Head Now Wounded in Romanian. O Frunten Sangerata. O Frunten Sangerata. Good All right, work. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. O Frunten Sangerata. Și dăm nu-ndeal tău chin, O frunte chinuită, Sub ramura de spini, O frunte împodobită, Cu har Dumnezeiesc. That was so good. That was amazing. That was so good. I love that we're hearing this in different languages. And, and we have listeners all over the world. I mean, we do. So there are going to be listeners who completely understand that and so appreciate it. Yes. Thank you yes. so much. That is so, and that's how you remember it. Like when you sing it like that, it, it's a little piece of your childhood. Yes, it is. Wow. After this interview with you is over, we're going to dig into this hymn and tell everyone all about it. Um, and, and we found such interesting and great things about it. And I love that we get to hear it in another language. So thank you so much, Raluca, for, for joining us and being so open to talk about your journey here and these hymns. We're really going to tell everyone all about your CDs. Tell us where they can get them. Tell yes. us where they can find you. I am active on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Good. We'll share all those links. All of my music is available for streaming anywhere people get their music. And if they want to own it, like download the MP3 files or order a CD, they can get that from my website. 
Okay. okay. And we'll post the link to that too. So this is the end of our interview. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having and, me. Oh, you're so welcome. And yeah. we will definitely be in touch to go live and announce our winners. It, it's yeah. just been a blessing, like following you on social mm-hmm. media and talking hymns with you. Really, God has just brought us together and we're grateful. We're grateful. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for your podcast. You make my commutes a lot more pleasant. Nice. That's Thank idea. you. <laughs> That's the idea. All right. All right. We will talk to you later. Bye. 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 <laughs> All right. Thank you, Reluca. Thank you, Reluca. So if you are watching or listening to this this week, right away, you know, right here in right. April, we want you to be a part of the giveaway. Right. So you've got to find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're going to have the contest on all of those platforms. Yep. And you just have to I- engage with the post, whether yes. it's retweet, share, comment, yes. like, tag a friend, whatever you do, will get you entered into the giveaway. One lucky winner will get a beautiful CD. Thank you, Reluca so much for talking to us you know if those of you who are watching on youtube you actually got to see her Mm -hmm. too maybe if you're a loyal you know spotify listener one of these days you could jump onto the youtube to see what we all look like (laughs) don't expect much (laughs) i'm kelly do i always sit like on the left i well i'm always near the board yeah yeah yeah. i I don't know so kelly we should change it up we should and see if anyone notices So. Someone at church just asked me, can you give me any tips as to how I can tell you to apart? We don't even look that much alike. Our pastor asked if we go to the same hairdresser. I know. It's so funny. He's like, how do you get the exact same hair? And it's like, we don't go to the same hairdresser. Of course we don't. That would be absurd. We haven't gone. I mean, I've been going to mine for years. Years. Me too. I mean, I don't know. We're on. We're off on a little tangent okay, here. Okay, sorry. But it is him talk, twin talk. And... Right. We have to talk about being twins too. Some of the time. Yeah. Well, we just I just think whether or not people listen to us or mm. watch us, mm-hmm. you know, they might have different experiences. Right. And the truth is it really doesn't matter who's who. Just listen, enjoy yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Um, sing and along, laugh I, along. I'm pretty sure only our parents watch the YouTube. So if you want to jump on that, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's get back into Oh Sacred Head. Yeah. Not a laughing matter. Nothing funny about this hymn. It it really is such a somber, serious hymn. And I find this type of hymn just especially exciting because it has traveled centuries mm-hmm. and continents and languages in order for us to have it today. Right. There was just there was something about it that, you know, God wasn't going to let it die. So I think we should hear these words. Right. Um, the words are beautiful. They're, of course, have gone through many languages, but the original words were in Latin um, by a monk named Arnolf. Um, let's read through the words. In English. In English. And let's have Raluca's piano playing in the background. Would right. you like to hear it? Yeah, let's have Raluca play while we hear the words. O sacred head, now wounded with grief and shame, weighed down, now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. O sacred head, what glory, what bliss till now was thine. How pale thou art with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn. How does that visage languish, which once was bright as morn? What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fall, my Savior, till I deserve thy place. Look on me with thy favor, and grant to me thy grace. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this the dying sorrow, thy pity without end? O make me thine forever, and should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to thee. Be near me when I am dying, O show thy cross to me, and for my rescue flying, come, Lord, and set me free. These eyes, new faith receiving from Jesus, shall not move. For one who dies believing, dies safely through thy love. I mean, you could just see how someone would study those words. I mean, this is a poem. This is, there's power, there's depth. Mm -hmm. 
to these, this. And I wonder if our listeners noticed some differences in right. the versions that they sing. There's definitely some variances on the words. We're not sure if those came through from the translations or just the editors of the hymnal. Our hymnal at our church doesn't include the fourth verse. Right. And I have found a, quite a few that have very, very different fourth verses. Right. It seems like that fourth verse is the one that kind of gets changed. So now we have to find this original yeah. poem and the original poet. So we know that there's some uncertainty here. Yes. We had to really dig to make sure that we were giving you what we think is the, the best, most accurate information. So the at first glance, the words of this poem were written by a monk named Bernard de Clairvaux. Yeah, Clairvaux. And we would have just stopped there and started and just researched him. But then, as we dug a little bit deeper, it didn't seem like he was the author at all. No. The poet that we found is named Arnulf of Leuven. He was the abbot of the Cistercian Abbey in Villeneuve, and he lived from 1200 to 1250. So this this Arnulf, what he did was he wrote this poem, but. It's not just this poem. It's actually quite the large work. Right. I mean, it, it's a cycle of seven poems. Seven. seven. And this one about the head, O Sacred Head, is the only one that we really have today. Right. The only one that we sing. But when we look at his original poem, we find... There were seven sections. Yeah. Each of them had ten lines each. There was kind of a complicated rhythm pattern. How about this? A-A-B-B-C... D-D-E-E-C. Mm -hmm. -E -E Ooh, nice. Isn't that interesting? I was expecting an F. I know. A, and it's funny because that, that fifth line, C, it's only the fifth line and the tenth line. A-A right. rhymes, B-B rhymes, C. And I quickly went to our current version to see if that rhyming pattern stuck, but it didn't. It, didn't. it doesn't. It does translation. It's very, yeah, yeah. 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 But this A-A-B-B-C was really interesting, and he didn't just do it once. He did it seven times. Right. He wrote a poem for each member of the body of Jesus Christ. So when I first looked at it, I was like, seven members? What does that mean? Well, the member back then was different parts of the body. Right. You know? So it was a way to really reflect and meditate on the crucifixion and to really focus on one part of the body at a time. Right. Which so do you I think in today's culture, like we would never do that. No. That would be considered really offensive almost. Um, yeah, and this was very characteristic of the Middle Ages and the monks okay. and the church at that time. They were very much, you know, all about Jesus's suffering in detail and like the pain that they would want to take on themselves and the pain that they would want to reflect on. Right. That was very much a part of the church culture at the time. But still, this suffering was really important to them. So important that he writes a cycle of seven poems all right. about each body. So we have uh, the Ahead, I know the so, others. Well, I wanted to see if okay. we could get your Latin translations together. Okay. Let's see if <laughs> Carrie can guess the part of the body. Each of the poems start with salve. It's, you know, God save us. There's different titles. But then it says ad, A-D, and then the word. So it's to this. So can you figure out what ad core is? Ad core. Well, I mean, in Spanish, corazón is heart. So is that heart? Yes. How about ad pectus? Like breast? <laughs> chest? Chest. <laughs> to the chest. Yeah. Okay. Ad manus. Hands. Yes. You were so good at this. A high school Spanish. Ad pedes. Feet. Yes. Ad genua. I did the easy ones first. Okay. Genua, genua. And I don't know if it's Genoa. I have to look at my Latin pronunciations. I'm going to say neck. <laughs> Knees. <laughs> Knees. Okay. But, you know, it's funny that they have, like, the beginning sounds. Right, Knees, right. neck. How about ad vultum? Back? No. That, that's a good guess. It's the face. This is where ours comes from. It was face. I really hope our listeners are trying to play along. Ad latus. Legs? Did I ever say legs? No, not legs. Can you think of a word that starts with L-A-T? Latitude? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like lateral? Your back? Side. 
Oh, Cal, I would have never done that. I mean, side lat. Now, like we said, these this poem is very old, and it was attributed to different people. Right. In some manuscripts, they have a te- they have another one, which is ad ores, a u r e s. Must be ears. Yeah, to the ears. Yeah, and ad. Dolores Singulorum Membrorum Christi Domini Nostri. What's that? What? Is that a body part, What's really? That? What's that? Um, it is to the whole body. Oh, okay, okay. So there is one for that the is long. whole body. <laughs> That's a long one. But the main seven were attributed to this Arnulf. Right. And you guys, the original manuscript is at a museum in Belgium. Oh. We could actually go and see it. Of course, there's no music notes. It's just right, the words. Right. It's written in Latin, and it is dated 1320. It's the oldest surviving manuscript that we have that actually has Arnulf's name. This is dated 1320. He lived from 1200 to 1250. Right. So there's nothing earlier than that. Well, in our research, what did we learn? Yeah, well, first of all, we learned that the abbey was attacked and invaded many times, the many abbey times. where he lived. Um, but really, over the during the French Revolution, like, everything was destroyed. Yeah. Everything. You guys, there's poems, there's songs, yeah. there's books. These, All these documents were just lost and destroyed. It's, it's a huge part of yeah. history that was lost. Yeah. And so this document from 1320 is the remaining document. Mm. And it's and you can view it. So should we head over to Belgium? Yes. Where's our captain? Where's your captain? <laughs> so the, there's ruins now. So yes. the this abbey is in a town called Wallonia. It's in Belgium. It's about 50 kilometers from Brussels. Okay. They say if you're visiting Brussels, it's an excellent day trip. You can visit the abbey. Now our guy Arnolf was the abbot there for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he left the monastery to seek a life of study and asceticism. What's that? What's <laughs> so that? asceticism is the practice of the denial of physical or psychological desires mm-hmm. in order to attain the spiritual ideal or goal. And, and this really rings true with what we know about the Middle e- Middle Ages right. and what we know about the monks living at this time. Yeah. It was all about denial mm-hmm. and uh, and a focus on this spiritual goal that they all had. Yeah. So we could visit the ruins today. Mm-hmm. They have a winery on the on the land. Wow. They have a brewery, and they say the beer is actually pretty good. <laughs> and I didn't know this, but they say many many monasteries brewed their own beer. Mm-hmm. They said the water purification process lent itself to beer brewing and they said that they were often open to weary travelers so what would you offer a weary hungry traveler (laughs) but you would offer a beer wow yeah now victor hugo wrote about the abbey in Mm -hmm. les miserables i think this is a fun fun fact Yeah, he wrote about the prison that was in the abbey. In 1972, the ruins were classified as a historic site and monument, and today they get more than 100,000 visitors a year. Mm. Now, their main variety of grapes for the vineyard is the Pinot Noir, which is one of my favorite kinds of wine. Nice. That's a fun fact about Kerry. (laughs) (laughs) So this Arnulf of Leuven lived around 1200 to 1250. Mm-hmm. We don't know a lot about him. He when he he worked at the abbey for 10 years and when he left he died soon after. But what we do know about him is that he was a poet, he was a scholar, and he actually collected the first annals of the abbey. I feel like he was kind of creating a history or a documentation of what happened, and that was from 1146 to 1240. And there was a lot of stuff going on. This is old, you guys. We were talking about some of our older hymns on Hymn Doc. Hymn I know. Doc. You know, we have... Um, Be Thou My Vision. Oh, Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Yeah. Now thank we all our God. These old, old hymns. So I thought we would play a little game. Oh, yeah. Not a, not a, can you translate this from Latin game, but a, is it older than Arnulf de Leuven? Arnulf. Okay. All right. I need to play my game show music. Okay. Okay. So quiz, Karen. Older than Arnulf? How about the printing press being invented and printing our first Gutenberg Bible? No, there's no way that's older than Arnulf. You are right. The... First Bible printed on the Gutenberg Press was in 1450, so still 300 right. years after. I actually thought it was even later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and a fun fact about me, since we heard Gary's fun fact, 
<laughs> my fun fact is that I saw that Gutenberg Bible at the Museum of um, the Bible in Washington, D.C. That's cool. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right. How about the creation of the Tower of London in London? I don't think that's as old as Arnulf. You're wrong. The Tower of London was built in 1066. Wow. And both of us have been there. Yeah, there's another fun fact. <laughs> How about the signing of the Magna Carta? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I lived. I lived in Runnymede, which is where the Magna Carta was signed. And I saw the Magna Carta. It was on display at the Museum of the Bible. Really? Yes. So um, before or after, I mean, I feel like 12, uh, I'll say before. Well, Arnulf, <laughs> sorry, Carrie. Arnulf lived from 1200 to 1250. This was kind of a trick question. Sorry. The Magna Carta was signed in 1215. Oh. Arnulf was 15 years old when it okay. was going on. I mean, what a big deal for him. Yeah, yeah. What a big deal for him. And I have to tell you that when we went to the Museum of the Bible, which, like, let's take a road trip and head to D.C. There we go. Because this was a very special exhibit. The Magna Carta. It was okay. on loan from somewhere else, oh. and it was a really big deal that they had it to, and that we were able to view it. All right, one more. Okay. Here. How about when did the Black Death occur? Before or after Arnulf? Um, after. You are right. You are right. The Black Death. So we talked known- about the Black Death on one of our episodes. Yes, it's also known as the Bubonic Plague. Yeah. It was from 1347 to 1353. It is the worst natural disaster in European history. The population in Europe was about 75 million people, and it's estimated that between 19 and 35 million people died from the Black Plague. Yeah. So that's our guy, Arnulf. Now, of course... He just wrote these Latin words. How do we get a song out of it? Well, it's because of the music written by Hans Leo Hassler. All right, so now we have to hear this guy. So, And we have to travel in time again. Yes, because we are about 300 years later. Hans Leo Hassler was born on October 26, 1564 in Nuremberg, Germany. But, of course, we actually don't know his birth date. He was baptized on October 26th. And... He is a pretty accomplished composer. He wrote everything. Now, he was a church musician. He was an organist. He did write for the churches. But he actually wrote a lot of secular music. The tune of O Sacred Head was actually one of his, they consider it a romantic song. It was called My Head is Spinning. And, of course, it was in German. Picture a romantic song in your head. And then bringing in the words of Jesus' crucifixion yeah. to it. So it was Bach, it was Johann Sebastian Bach who actually took the song, My Head is Spinning, <laughs> and like reharmonized it and put it with these words in his St. Matthew Passion. Mm-hmm. So that's not what Hans Hassler would have done. Now, Hans Leo Hassler was a Lutheran. I think this is quite interesting. He composed for both Roman Catholic liturgy and Lutheran churches. And secular music. I mean, he was just a composer. Yeah. Now, he was also a consultant to organ builders. Mm. So they would be building their organs, and they would want, like, an organist to come and, like, check it out. So one of the things that he did, which is really impressive, he designed and developed his own clockwork organ. Okay. So what's a clockwork organ? Well, it's basically using the mechanics of what makes a clock run, and creating an organ almost like a music box. Like it just plays on its own. Or like a player piano. Yes, but this is in the 1500s. That's crazy. Yeah. So he used, they called it a clockwork organ. And he is kind of well known in the organ building world for building this clockwork organ that was later sold to Emperor Rudolf II. Rudolf II was the Holy Roman Emperor, King of Hungary and Croatia, King of Bohemia, and Archduke of Austria, and he bought this clockwork organ. So it's kind of cool. Clearly he's an accomplished musician, yeah. and a, a very smart. I mean, he's building and designing organs. He's composing all kinds of music. But we can't just skip over Bach. Right, and so of course, they, they did not live in the same period. Hassler died in 1612, and Bach was born in 1685. Right. So, I mean, he went back and found this tune and mm-hmm. found this music. And composers of the time did this a lot. Right. 
because and, they had to write every week. So they would always, they would borrow from themselves, they would mm-hmm. borrow from other people. Mm-hmm. So that's what Bach did. Yeah, and Bach used this melody five times in his St. Matthew's Passion. Okay. Five times. So he clearly was drawn to it. And this is what is most resembles our version today. Right? Oh, yeah. If yeah. you hear it, you're like, oh, that's the hymn. Right. So I really want to share some of St. Matthew's Passion on our yeah. social media. Yeah. I've never heard it in full, Perform- have you? No, and I've, I've never pre- heard it perform live. I would love to. I yeah. would love to someday hear it. It is beautiful. Now, a chorale was usually a popular melody. So it was a m- melody that people were familiar with. Now, Bach wouldn't even have used this hymn if it wasn't for the fact that the Latin poem had been translated to German. Right. He so, might not even have known it. No. So prior to Bach even working on it, we have Paul Gerhardt. We kind of skipped we over him. Over him yeah. Paul Gerhardt died nine years before Johann Sebastian Bach. So he, they did not work together on it. But he was able to use Paul Gerhardt's works. So we have not had a hymn with this many people. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So Paul Gerhardt was really pretty cool. He wrote over 100 hymns. They actually call him, here's a quote. <laughs> Attention, please. The sweet voice of Lutheranism. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he was a pastor in the Lutheran church, and he actually was really good friends with Johann Kruger. Johann Kruger was living in Germany, and he worked on Now Thank We All Our God. So that was episode 10, Kel, when we did Now Thank We All Our God. And when we talked about Johann Kruger and what he had to endure in his life. I mean, these guys lived through war. Mm. They lived through plagues. They had such, such a hard life. And for him to create the song, Now Thank We All Our God, in the midst of it, is pretty amazing. Yeah, but Paul Gerhardt's life was pretty hard too. So Swedish soldiers set fire to his hometown when he was a kid. His father was the mayor. So they lost their whole house, the possessions, the church, everything was destroyed. He was also like pulled into the like the theological squabbles of his day. Mm. Once he became a pastor in Berlin, um, he ended up being removed from the parish. And then he was installed in another church where he, there were, less supportive people there. He really had it tough. He had five children, four of which died in infancy, and his wife died in 1668 and left behind one surviving son who was only six. So Paul Gerhardt didn't have an easy life either, and we are able to get these German words, which brought new life to the hymn, which got Johann Sebastian Bach to put the music to it, and that's how we have the St. Matthew's Passion. Right. So it's so funny because sometimes you hear of hymn writers that collaborate. Right. And they're years apart, centuries apart. Then you hear of hymn writers that actually are in the same time period. But you actually don't hear of hymn writers who are friends. Yeah. He was friends with Johann Kruger. So we thought it'd be fun to share a little hymn that the two of them wrote. Now, of course, the original words would have been in German. Right. So we are lucky to have this one. It was translated by an American translator named John Kelly. And it's called Awake My Heart with Gladness. And it's supposed to be sung for Easter, so it's perfect. It's perfect. Now, the funny thing is, is this hymn is so old that it was almost written kind of like Mm chant-like. There's no time signature. Oh, this is our (laughs) musical nerd moment. M&M's, always fun. Yeah, so when you don't see a time signature, you're just you just know that the music is shifting all the time. So whatever, you know, your strong beat is in one section, it can shift and be another beat the next section. The thing is that it's hard to do a hymn without yes. a time signature as with a congregation. Mm-hmm. How would they all stay together? You'd almost kind of have to make up a meter as it went. Which but- Which is often what they did. I mean, oh, Sacred Head Now Wounded was probably a chant. Like, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. It was only the music person, like uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, who made sure it had, you know, some musical form. Right. We really would have no way of knowing what it was supposed Mm -hmm. to sound like. Mm -hmm. None. So this is like our version. We're collaborating just like Johann and Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's almost like the Beatles. Almost like the Beatles. (laughs) Johann, Paul, Kelly, Gary. (laughs) You be George, I'll be Ringo. (laughs) All right, all right. All right. Awake my heart with gladness. Dum, dum, dum. Awake my heart with gladness. 
See what today is done Now after gloom and sadness Comes forth the glorious sun My Savior there was laid Where our bed must be made when as on wings in flight we soar to realms of light it's so interesting my savior there was laid where our bed must, must be, be made. made like that was our punishment but i feel like that is almost like an american thing right. i wonder if that was part of the translation hey, you and made was, your bed now you have to right, lie in it right i feel like that wasn't necessarily yeah. Yeah. So every time you translate a, a hymn, it, you know, there are shifts in the language. Mm -hmm. There has to be. Hearing this in German would be a completely different experience. I, I mean, completely different. And for all we know, this is sung in many, many German churches. Mm -hmm. Paul and Johann. Made quite a team. <laughs> yes. Made yes. quite a team. And I, as much as I wish we could hear this in German, we are so fortunate yes. and lucky and blessed to have Reluca singing for us. O sacred head now wounded in German. O hauptvoll Blut und Wunden, voll Schmerz und voller Hohn, O haupt zum Sport gebunden, mit einer Dornenkorn, O haupt sonst schön All right, now can we talk a little bit about why we have this song in English? Yes. It is because of Mr. James Waddell Alexander. James Alexander was born on March 13th, 1804, like 600 years after Arnulf. After the poem. Yeah, in Louisa County, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So there were just so many people who worked on this hymn. It was hard to really like, you know, pick out what, what information we wanted to share with you. But I feel like we could have chosen any one of them and done a podcast just, just on, on the that. one. Yeah. And so we've had to just kind of yeah. streamline all the research so that yeah. we could fit everyone in. And this James Alexander is an American and he worked to translate it into English. We wouldn't have the song in our hymnal if it weren't for him. Right. So he was a Presbyterian minister, mm -hmm. and he was the pastor of the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York. Now, he he did he served as pastor on two different terms because he took a little break when he taught at the Princeton Theological Seminary. Yeah. And then he went back and pastored the church. And Kelly, I feel like Fifth Avenue, Midtown Manhattan, I mean, we've probably walked by right, this church. Right, Fifth Avenue. I've, I mean, I've walked all around yeah. that area, but I, I don't remember it. The steeple rises 286 feet high, and at the time when it was dedicated in 1875, it was the tallest building in Manhattan. And it is still a thriving church. Oh. It currently has over 2,000 members. Now, there's kind of some fun facts associated with the church. Okay. So Teddy Roosevelt's son was married there in 1910. And, of course, the former president was going to attend. And he brought 500 of his former Rough Riders to, the, <laughs> to watch and to be guests at the wedding. A 1965 recording by Duke Ellington was made there. And it was broadcast nationally by CBS television and was called A Concert of Sacred Music. And then finally, another fun fact, uh, Frankie Manning, so he's this famous American dancer, Tony award-winning choreographer, and I guess he's the like the founder of the Lindy Hop. Okay, that's a fun fact. Yeah, or or one of the founders. and Or made it famous. Yeah, and he had his funeral service there after he died, and they say that it was a rollicking three-hour memorial service. <laughs> I want my memorial service to be rollicking. 
So I definitely would love to go visit this church. Yes. I mean, we have some, we'll put some pictures up on YouTube. I'm going to New York in a few weeks. Yeah. I'm going to New York. I can go visit it. I'll take some pictures, Karen. All right. And now James Alexander had seven children. George. Archibald. Henry. James. John. William. And Janetta. Janetta, the only girl Mm -hmm. at the very end. Now, unfortunately, when we look at their dates, four of them did not live past infancy and childhood. So three ended up growing into adulthood. Now here is a fun fact. For all our math people out there, have you ever heard of a famous mathematician named James Waddle Alexander II? So James Waddle Alexander died in 1972. He was the great grandson of our Presbyterian minister. Mm -hmm. And he basically founded the branch of mathematics, originally known as analysis situs, now called topology. What's that? Yeah, we don't know What's what that, that? is. Know what that is. But maybe you math people do. But so in 1928, he this discovered is, this. This is a big deal. Yes. So he discovered this invariant polynomial, and now it's actually called the Alexander polynomial. It's, it's named after him. And it basically, I mean, from what I read, it really talks about knots and how algebraic equations can be used to figure out how to untie knots and how to tie knots. Well, you know what this reminds me of? <laughs> uh, I had a list of things that were older or newer than Arnulf de Louvain. Algebra was discovered. Do you think algebra is as old as Arnulf or younger than Arnulf? We're going to go back to my quiz, Carrie. I think it was older than Arnulf. Algebra was invented in 820. So you are right. Older than Arnulf. See, I had to go back to algebra. That is so funny. That is so funny. So so both of us in our own separate researches came up to algebra. That's came, a twin thing. Came up to math. That's um, a twin thing. Seriously, if you're a math person and you totally know the Alexander polynomial. Oh my gosh, send us a DM and tell yeah, us. I want to know. important to you. Yeah. I mean, don't explain it because I don't have time to read <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> but if you know who the mathematician Alexander is and the Alexander polynomial. I think it's pretty cool. It's like a tongue twister. That's yeah. hard to say. Anytime we have this many people working on a hymn, this many people, you just know that God's hand is at Mm -hmm. work. And why is this hymn so important? Mm. There's not very many hymns that really go into the crucifixion so deeply and specifically. And I think a lot of hymns mention it and then maybe they end with salvation or they mm-hmm. end with the resurrection or they end with right. you know just the the hope that we have that Jesus is coming back. Right. I mean this hymn takes us to that place and then we stay there. Right. And I think that's really indicative of the Middle Ages. So right. what we learned about spirituality in the Middle Ages, it was a lot about suffering and denial and pain. And so this hymn was written then And then it has stayed with us. When we're in the season of Lent and really focusing in on Jesus and his life and what he's done for us, and especially as we get into Holy Week, I mean, that's all we're thinking about is what Jesus went through on Holy Week. It started so victorious and triumphant on Palm Sunday. Mm. And and in uh, by Friday, he's being killed. Everything had ch- turned and changed so much for him. So we are remembering that. And when we remember the pain, you know, which just like the Christians in the Middle Ages who are remembering the pain, we, all, we also turn around and remember the hope. So we have the weight of our sin the bed that we made, Mm -hmm. you know, the weight of our sin. But we also remember the wonder of God's grace. It's the weight and the wonder. We remember Jesus with his head bowed down, bloody, the crown of thorns. He was tortured, but we remember that he also triumphs. He was full of sorrow, but we remember his salvation. So it's this back and forth that we have to remember. It's not either or, it's both and. Remember the weight of our sin, but remember the wonder of his grace. You know, he didn't die for nothing. He didn't die in vain. He didn't stay in the tomb. And Christianity didn't die that day. Right, right. Which I'm sure those Roman soldiers thought that that would be the end of it. Right. That would be the end of Jesus. It would be the end of him. It would be the end of Christianity. But no, just like this hymn, it lived on. Christianity lived on. So we are saved. So yes, we remember his death. We remember his crucifixion. We remember that we are sinners, but we remember that he rose 
and now he's triumphant. Yes, we want to remember and we can be mournful, mm -hmm. um, but there's so much joy mm -hmm. in what Jesus did for us. So we look quickly to the New Testament. What does the Bible <laughs> say? This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 25. Peter is reminding his readers what Jesus did for them. He says, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Right there, he's quoting from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So we wanted to share one more performance in English. In English, <laughs> yes. And it's these five sisters. Mm -hmm. They're called Five Classy Ladies. We're two classy ladies. <laughs> and if we were with them, we would be seven. Seven. Classy oh, ladies. see, there's that math. But James Waddle Alexander II <laughs> would be so proud. All our mathematicians listening are loving this episode, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> All right, we want to share this with you. The words are beautiful, their harmonies are beautiful. It's a cappella, mm -hmm. so you can just hear those words. And you know, our goal throughout the very beginning when we first started our podcast was that you would be worshiping with yes. us, that this would be a time of worship for you. And specifically this week, I hope it is a beautiful time of reflection and worship as we think about Jesus going to the cross in our place. And you know what? We want this music to be the last thing you hear. So we're going to say bye now. Enjoy five classy ladies. Please worship right along with them. And we'll see you next time on... Him talk, twin talk.